Love Talk Radio. Centennial is about to approach us. May 31st will mark 100 years. So those of you who can come to Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah, I'm getting tight on Come to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just come on and uh, enjoy what's going on here. Learn some black culture. Don't come here just to party now. You know, come here to learn something. Get wise in thy own eyes. And that's what we want you to do. Hey, we got a great show going on today. Don Tree is in the house. Uh, artist, activist, I mean, you name it. Hey, she's in here. Uh, she's going to be talking about a variety of different topics. So we want you to tell a family member, tell a friend, dial the number 918-856-3873. Again, that number is 918-3873, you know, and you can be talking to Don. Hey, and we're also live on KBOB899.com. Again, that is KBOB899.com, Facebook Live, all of that stuff. So you can tune in and, uh, you know, get with us right here because we're going to have a good show. We're going to be around for a little bit. So uh, tell a family member, tell a friend. I'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson. And you listen to 89.9 FM. Hey, this is Ralph Johnson of Earth, Wind, and Fire. And whenever I'm in Tulsa, I'm tuned in to KPOB 89.9 on the FM. Yo, this is Gary Little G. Jenkins, lead singer from the multi-platinum R&B group Silk, and you're listening to KBOB 89.9 FM. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry-out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. 
How to order chicken wings. Number one, find a good wing spot. I know a wing spot, Max Wings. Number two, decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la carte. Huh? What's that? Well, combos come with chicken, veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah. Okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fry. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to the Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. ready for life beyond COVID-19, beyond boundaries. And the vaccine is our best shot at getting there. Walk in for a free COVID-19 vaccine at the Community Vaccination Center, located at the Tulsa Community College Northeast Food Campus. Food on the Move and Warden Comprehensive Health Services presents the drive through COVID vaccination clinic. Happening May the 11th, 2021, from 4 to 7 p.m. The first 100 participants received two-dose Moderna's or the one-dose Johnson & Johnson. If you want to skip the line, call now at 918-388-1990. Food on the move every Tuesday on Greenwood. Let's go fresh, Tulsa. Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit TulsaTransit.org for more details. All right, we're back here on KBOB 89.9. All right. Glad you tuned in. In the studio, Don Tree. How are we doing, lady? Oh, I'm I'm blessed, you know. You're blessed? Huh? Yeah. All good in the neighborhood, huh? Uh, you know. Okay, for those, let's see, let's start off right here. Let's see. For those of you who don't know who Don Tree is, tell us where you were born and raised and all of that stuff. Let's start from the beginning. Oh, from the very beginning. Yeah, huh? very beginning. Well, my mom birthed me in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, where she met my father there. And then shortly after, we moved to North Carolina. So I was a year old, and we moved to North Carolina, Clinton, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, so I'm from the country, from the south, and then uh, high school, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Went to, yeah, where we went you to went, high school. Where you go to high school at here in Tulsa? Uh, went to Jinx, 
Oklahoma. Oh, or you was Virginia out there in Jinx, huh? Yeah. You out there with the white folks, huh? <laughs> yeah, across the bridge. Yeah, across the bridge. Okay. Was, was it a culture shock mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. You had to just, what was so different for you when you went over there? Uh, it was predominantly, let's see, black uh, in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, the young people. We were homeschooled at the, at the end of our North Carolina time, and there were a lot of white people. But um, I think Oklahoma has a different type of white person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and then Jinx is a whole nother economic bracket. So it was different. Did you experience, like, racism out there at the school? Oh, yeah, um, more passive aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily in your face, but yeah, with certain opportunities being presented to you, uh, being excluded from certain things. Uh, so you learn how to navigate differently. Okay, for sure, that's what for I did. Sure, at huh? least. Yeah. yeah, with being a minority out there, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a lot of blacks out there. No, it was low percentage. It was like yeah, low percentage. One point five percent. So, at at what particular point did you start taking on this art form to start painting and drawing stuff? Was that at early age, or did that just come about? When was when did it happen? Uh, early age, I say. You know, um, I've always been somewhat of an introvert and value my long time. So, I would create that way. What were you uh, drawing around those days? I think times? I was really drawing more realistically too. I, I drew a horse and I won a contest in North Carolina. Uh, I was doing like a lot of color pencil and pencil drawings. So more realistic, hyper-realistic. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I've e- emerged since then. Uh, when I went to college, that's when I really started selling my artwork. And so I realized, okay, this is, I have a niche for this because it was selling and they, said that not too many artists were selling in the space in the, the gallery at OU. So, you know. So you went to school at OU? some confidence. Yeah, I went to University of Oklahoma for journalism. Okay. For yeah. journalism? Yeah. Really? You never got a chance to use it, huh? I use it every day. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I've been talking to people. Talking to people and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, asking questions, mm-hmm. getting to know the issues, you know. That's what comes with journalism. And then being able to see different perspectives and draw conclusions by facts, you know, people experts in the field. So it comes in handy, uh, comes in handy with marketing. That's initially what I was doing with Underground Tree Studios. So, you know, mm-hmm. it all works. Life skills. It all works together, huh? Facts. So uh, you started off like around selling your paintings and stuff like that at OU, right? Correct. And uh, after doing that for so long, what happened next? What was your next adventure? Uh, so I was working mostly on canvas at the time. So my next adventure, I graduated uh, university. Then I moved to D.C. So I got a job out there working at a nonprofit. And so I was working in marketing. So that's the focus, right? And then on my side and, you know, at home in my personal life, I would write poetry and also paint. That was a way to really express how I was feeling in a new city uh, with, uh, you know, international people. D.C. Mm-hmm. has a lot of international people. So were you, you were interacting and socializing with uh, inter- a lot of international people? Yeah, it was a global uh, nonprofit. We were working with uh, young people from all over the world. And so that came with adults from all over the world. And D.C., you know, it's mm-hmm. known for. What did that feel like? 
Because, I mean, here you are. You, yeah, I'm you still a minority, you know, yeah. like working at the company. So it felt similar uh, in a sense. But at the same time, it also felt, uh, you know, people who've been global, who've been to India, China, Africa, they have a whole nother bravado about them, right? Uh, so it's different from Oklahoma um, racism. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Racism, Where huh? they can, t- you know, at that time, I hadn't been to Africa. So, you know, it's as if they can tell you who you are. And, you know, I wasn't keen to that. Uh, but I learned. I, it was just a different environment. You just learn. Mm-hmm. Different environment. So, D.C., how mm-hmm. many years were you there? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah, eight years. Did you like D.C.? It taught me a lot. I did. I did. It, it, it's a what lot of culture it? there. Yeah. So cool. I did, but there's a lot of gentrification there too. But yeah, I enjoyed How it. How were the black people in D.C.? Oh, you know, because they come from all over. Howard's there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard University. Yeah, UDC is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it's very metropolitan, right? Uh, and then there's cultural, you know, people international there. Diverse. Uh, there we go. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, semantics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that's there. Things to do culturally. Uh-huh. There's a lot of museums, free museums. There's the African American Museum now, Smithsonian. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity. Let's just say that. So I was able to flex and you know really just uh, exercise my muscle when it came to uh, I I think networking, meeting people. You know, just off the cuff, uh, young people, older people, white people, international people. So I was I was able to obtain different clients of different races, economic brackets. Et so so you were just making a living off of selling art. I was making a living uh, for the first year at a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Then I launched my own business because we we're teaching entrepreneurship. So I just hustle, hustle hard. Uh, I had a partner at the time, and we really were able to balance each other out. Uh, but that was my launching pad of Underground Tree Studios. And, um, yeah, I was uh, – at the at the time, my design skills weren't really up to par. You know, I felt like – because I, I, I'm journalism, right? And I'm an artist, but I had a friend who taught me some things. Then I went back to Tulsa Tech to learn more. Once you got back from D.C.? Then web design. Yeah, I spent a year here in Tulsa just kind of, I don't know. Kind of doing what? Uh, taking a break from the city. Let's okay, just say from that. the big city. Huh? Yeah, that was 2012. And then I went directly back. A client of mine was like, you got to get you back. You back to D.C.? Yeah, so you got to get back to the East Coast. So. I, I did. And so simultaneously, I'm, I'm working my business, and then I'm also uh, finding venues and spaces to exhibit my artwork, marketing my art shows as well. So, you know, it was a simultaneous thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back and forth a little bit, huh? You got to have different hustles yeah, as an yeah, entrepreneur, yeah. right? Do, and do. so and I was actually making, you know, some income off of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Off the artwork. Mm-hmm. Okay. And once you came back to Tulsa, when did you just say, well, I'm going back to Tulsa and I'm going to be here? That will be four years now, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what made that decision? Uh, I was in Baltimore for two years. Uh, the environment was pretty heavy, pretty gray, the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew, I just felt like I needed to come home. That was really it. At that time? Uh-huh. Too much going on up there in D.C.? Yeah, I was just tired of the city, like, really. Oh, okay. It gets, it gets old. Mm-hmm. You know, traffic on the highway, on the bellway, 
um, just too much. Too it's much. a it's a district. It's very small, and yeah, there's a no, lot of people. They say it's about the size of North Tulsa. Okay, DC they, itself. They say the district. Yeah, yeah. about right. the size of North Tulsa. And just really saying, as people under people don't know that people so. underground, people on the on the highway, people mm-hmm. on you know just traffic, traffic, walking, busy, yeah. busy, yeah. busy, busy. So it's cool. It's um, it's it was exciting for a moment, but I realized, okay, uh, time to go. I want, I want to be around my family more than just kind of feeling like I'm just out here in the city, you know, making a coin and mm-hmm. paying bills. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So your moms and everybody was here. Yeah, my mom, mm-hmm. my brother, my sister, all uh, my your nieces family, and nephew. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were dis felt disconnected, huh? Um. So like okay, I'm around a lot of black businesses. You know, Baltimore got quite a few black businesses. Mm-hmm. But the but you know, it's not my family, so you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know that you did a journey to Africa. Yeah. What year was that? The first time, 2014. Now what was it? Was it your first time going over there? 2014. Mm-hmm. 2014. Very first time. So when you went and got on that plane and dropped off in Africa, what part? Ghana. Ghana. When you dropped off in Ghana, what did you think and what did you feel? And you were by yourself, right? Yeah, I took the journey by myself. All alone. Yeah, but I had a con- I had business connections. I was working in marketing with a tourism company. Right before you got there. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You had made some connections, right? Exactly. That's the yeah. reason why I went. So how did I feel? You know, yeah, how did your mind feel when you? I'm I had headed. years to prepare. You know, one. I'm going to Africa and I'm going to land in Ghana. Yeah. I'm gonna get off this plane. What did you think and what did you see? Well, before, now they have redeveloped the the airport, so it's super nice and there's AC in well, it. Well, then, but 2014, before, it was just like I felt like I was in a movie. I saw you know getting off in in the bush because it was hot, muggy in the airport. But they didn't have the development wasn't there. No, but it's developed since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's developed. So, um, but that's what I felt in 2014, and. Were you afraid or it nervous was nice or anything? Too. We were hovering in the sky. I shouldn't even probably be talking about this. But yeah. But immediately I felt welcomed and you know, the team that met me, you know, it was very welcoming. Let's just say that. You but it was you, culture shock. It was, huh? Yeah, because I didn't stay in Accra, which is the capital. We traveled like an hour away to Samanya, which is the eastern region. And, you know, it's a long road and we, there's a checkpoint, you know, at night, there's uh, police with guns, you know. Machine guns. Yeah, so right. it was like witnessing all of this. I wasn't scared, you know, because I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, very feminine, uh, strong African men who I know support Feminine? Me. In touch with their femininity, yeah. Okay. You men? know, yeah, like they're mm-hmm. willing to protect me. Okay. That, that, that has nothing to do with... Uh, Masculine or feminine, per se, but mm-hmm. they are in touch with their femininity. One of the first things they want to do is introduce you to their mother, you know, those, that's what I mean. Okay. Um. So, you know, I wasn't scared, but it was culture shock. Culture shock. Yeah, the amenities are different, you know, but there's a lot of development in the country, for sure. So, depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You How know, long did you stay there in Ghana? Six months. 
So I witnessed a lot of different environments, you know, from upscale hotel to the village, you know, with the people. So what was the culture like? Can you explain it? Uh, it's different languages. So huh? immediately there's a different language. So you get on the ground and you're hearing different languages. There's um, there's tree, which is the main language, uh, T-W-I is how you spell it. Um, there's airway. There's, there's just different languages. So conditioning your, is that tribal? your mind. There's Krobo. Is it all tribal, different languages? Yeah, they have different tribes and different villages. Mm-hmm. Different regions have different languages. Mm-hmm. And there's just 16 different regions. And it's huge. Ghana itself is just huge. I, I've never visited all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have a good time every time I go. Because there's just different terrains, different now, places to visit. a lot of times people get a different impression of what Africa it's like they don't mm-hmm. understand Africa is a continent. Uh, yeah. You know, right? right. They right. just think it's just a, you know, you know, they don't have a, you know, they don't understand it's a continent. You know, the continent of Africa, and within Africa, it has countries. Facts. Right. And countries. It's about fifty-three, fifty-four countries. Countries yeah. within Africa, and mm-hmm. so you were in Ghana, which was a country. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And even inside Ghana, there are some small. Little cities or what I call uh, regions, they call regions, real regions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when when people they don't understand that all of these um, countries are not all impoverished like they think, right? You know, because when you see it on TV here in the United States, you'll see some little kids with flies all around the head and stuff like this, that. This is missionary thing to all that. Missionary, all of that, and got you feeling, got people feeling. You know, sad for them and stuff like that. But yeah. they actually have a uh, hey, stuff going on like we got going on over here in certain parts of Ghana, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Uh, was it Afrochella Festival? Mm-hmm. Pretty big. Uh, Chalewote Festival. I mean, and these are like people my age organizing these things. Our generation, millennials. Uh, Chalewote is one of the biggest art festivals in Jamestown, Ghana. Uh, and it's nice, you know. You see. Uh, natural hair culture coming through, you know, they, they have it bad over there, you know, natural hair. Uh, and African fabrics, colors everywhere. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we just got to get hip. That's it. Do you have, uh, is it <clears throat> influenced by Western culture in some ways too? Of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, and then you know. a lot of the younger younger Africans, I'll say, you know, my brothers and sisters, they have the means to go back and forth. So they're going to Paris, they're going to Europe, you know, they're going to America. And, and they're bringing that back. Huh? Yeah, seriously. Um, they're not limited just to being Africa. The music too, it's right? Like, yeah, yeah. But we have influences everywhere, so we bring our dominant culture everywhere. Our drums, our rhythm, our colors. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, they have markets down there where you can just go set up and sell goods. Yeah, there's right. Yeah, there's old school markets uh, in most villages. They'll have a market on certain days where you can go and get food or different items. Can you? Do they charge for you to set up, or you just go and start selling? Or how does that work? I know. Because like flea markets here, you can go and just pay for a little side booth or something. It's true. Yeah, but you know, over there, is there? Is that something that they encourage as far as, you know, hey, you got to pay $25 to be here all day? 
it's probably not that much. Yeah. You know, our dollar goes five times there, but I, I'm sure they got something set up. But I never really learned, I guess, the um, the Economics. logistics of how you kind of, you know, that how business that's designed. Huh? Yeah. It's yeah. something good to know. But no, I know I set up at a um, natural hair care festival, and it was just off cuff. I knew the owner, so, you know. You should let you go ahead and set up, huh? Yeah, I gave him a shirt. He liked the shirt. So. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's basically a mogul in, mm-hmm. in Ghana. Now, culturally, what's the respect level for elders? You know, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. really, you know. Over there, you know, I hear that there's this ultimate respect for elders, you know, unlike over here in the United States. Yeah, elders have the complete respect, you know, and uh, younger people in the room, they'll stand up for them, they'll make sure they have everything they need. So they have respect for sure, you know, and a lot of them have the last say when it comes to the village, you know. The The elders do, right? mm -hmm, The Mm -hmm. queen mother, the queen warrior. Mother, queen mother, and then the uh, the kings of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, are there huge families there, or just maybe a husband, wife, one one or two kids, or is it just big families, or what? It ranges. It ranges right here. It ranges. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. You know, I mean, I can only talk about my personal experiences, but you know, yeah, people had. Not necessarily a whole bunch of kids. I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like, you know, mm-hmm. moderate. Were you, did you feel culturally connected? Yeah, truly. Yeah, I mean, because I lived in Somalia, you know, and I, I was there. I marinated for six months. So by the time I left, I felt like I was, you know, Ghanaian. My brothers and so, sisters there. So what was the feeling coming back to the United States after being there for six months? And getting all that culture and seeing all that right. blackness and all that over there. And all the, that freedom. Hearing the freedom and hearing them drums and hearing all of that take place. Yeah. Now I got to go back to the United States. What was that like? Yeah. Was that like a, a, um, an awakening? No, an awakening, I, mean, you know? I, I, I think I was ready. You know, I had been six months. So You was ready to come home? Yeah, there's things uh, that you can't get in Ghana, you know. Such as? Um... You say you can't get yeah, what like you can't get orange juice at the time. Like yeah, okay, the convenience, <laughs> you know? huh? Yeah, certain things. Yeah. So, but I want to limit it to that. There's things you miss: family, even uh, friends. You know, um, technology that's like accessible. The internet is just so they're not up, they're not better. up on the t- technology. It's right? getting better. So, but yeah, I was ready, but I felt it as soon as I got on the plane. Like I felt like okay. I'm around some people headed to America. You know, you just feel it. Right. The eye contact, the warmth. All yeah. of that. You feel yeah. good coming back? No, I said, no, I immediately felt like I was amongst Americans, you know, on the plane, which was is not so welcoming. It's not a quabba. It's not, you know, it's not void of slavery. <laughs> mm-hmm. You felt kind of like, oh, here I go, huh? No, I, I, mm, I mean, because even from even in the plane, uh, airport, the the guards like they felt like I was Ghanaian. We were talking small, small tree because I only know a little bit. They mm-hmm. were trying to speak it fluently, you know. So the uh, the um, reception is is well, mm-hmm. you know, among my brothers and sisters, but in African. But then once I got on the plane, you know, and then 
to Chicago. You know, you just smoke, slowly just feel, okay, I'm back in, in America. States. Yeah, I've been there before, so I know how you feel. Yeah, where it just, it just it's a void. It's a disconnect uh, that's even more so because of COVID now. But mm-hmm. before, it was like, okay. So you <laughs> came back to the United States, and uh, you stayed for a while, and you went back, right? Yeah, yes, yes, sir. How long were you here? Oh, for some years, because then, you know, I mean, you What get, made you go back? I said, okay, I need to go back. So What made you go back? 2000. It was some years. I, I think I was missing I mean, some okay, people. Some years I was have longing passed. it. I was longing for it. Longing it was always time. in your head, huh? Yeah. So I went back for two months. So what was that like? Because I've always been an entrepreneur, always been a business owner. Uh, every day I wake up and think about and strategize how to build Underground Tree Studio. So when you went back over there for a couple of months, you had planned it all up, saved up some money and exactly, and went on back over there, right? Uh-huh. What was it that like? I didn't have to have as many shots, uh, but yeah, was able to network and sustain for two months and then Came back. So you were talking about, you just mentioned shots. Uh, how many shots did you have to have going over there at first? The first time, I can't even remember. I just went to the doctor and he like, gave me some shots. And I just felt like, oh, it's too many. With typhoid <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, hepatitis, hepatitis. Like all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bunch of shots. Huh? Yeah, malaria is a pill, though. Yeah. It's Which a- you should get the medicine in the country because it's better. And it's cheaper. Now let me ask you, drinking the water. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch drinking the water, don't you? Yeah, they have packaged water, though. Huh? They have packaged water just like here. Yeah, You know. okay. They have little satchel water, too. Like, it comes in a little, uh, like, plastic. You just tear off the top and drink it like that. Mm-hmm. And it's less than 15 cents, you know. Cheap. cheap water, huh? Yeah, and they have water companies there. They have factories. Uh, the gentleman that I, uh, Nicole, who I rented from, he owns, he's he's by Coastal International. He has a security company in Virginia, and then he has a compound in Oldermossy. He has a water company, full-blown water company. And he filters and it and all truck. of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did a small amount of marketing for his company. Yeah. So he's he, a good guy. He filters the water and, and packages the water, right? Exactly. I already said that. Why yeah. you ask me twice? Well, I'm asking you twice, so yeah. I mean, just want a clarification, <laughs> you know, on what's going on. It's with that. clear. It's clear. We ain't no Bill Gates. Is there, a lot, is there a lot of water. that? Is there a lot of that going on over there? A lot of people doing that, filtering water and stuff like that. Is There's that... quite a few companies. It's competitive because it's hot there. You need water. You know, that's one of the biggest means of economics there. Is water, huh? Uh huh. Water. How hot? Is it over there? I know it's got to be smoking. I never really looked at the temperature. You don't know what the temperature was like? Was it 100? I know it was 100 and something. 120 or something like that? Yeah, but then when it got real hot, the sky would open up, and then it would rain, and it almost felt like, you know, tropical weather, like I was in the Caribbean. I mean, you was glad when it rained, huh? Yeah, they thought it was too cold. They would all be inside, and... I was like, this is perfect. Oh. Yeah, they condition. Like what? Not they, but, you know, a lot of them are, are conditioned. Yeah, bodies are conditioned weather. to the yeah, heat. They're, exactly. they're immune to the heat, right? Facts. And because everybody don't have no AC and air conditioning over there, right? No, but most people, 
it's accessible. AC is accessible. Okay, they got an AC yeah. unit or something. Yeah, a lot of the businesses, um, places you go to. Fans, big box in. fans and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It might be like a container on the side of the road. They take a lot of containers and will make them a business, you know. You know what I mean? All those container houses and stuff they have mm-hmm. here. It's not anything revolutionary. They've been doing it. And so they'll set it up and they'll have AC and everything up in there. What did you take from being over there? I mean, what really got into your spirit and got into your soul, you know, that you took away? I'm going to be completely honest. You know, I'll say uh, the first time I had locks, right? I had locks. Mm-hmm. So immediately I felt connected to the Rastafarian culture, the community, you know, like I was like a family, you know, for real. So that... And then being uh, on many different occasions, many different regions and areas, being called an empress, being just very much exalted, exalted for being a strong woman, you know, not put down, but exalted from men and women, you know, uh, I like the way you are, that term comes out a lot, you know, just that, I, I would have to be honest in saying that I took that away, you know, like nobody can tell me. My my African brothers and sisters look me in my eye and say, you look like my sister, you know, my real sister. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my light was bright when I came back, you know, mm-hmm. the African sun. Were there, with you being a, a, a melanated woman, mm-hmm. you know. That, that I am. That gave you a plus, didn't it? Yes, you know. It gave you a there plus. There is privilege. Yeah. Uh, being a melanated woman, you know, and being over there amongst uh, the natives. You right. Because they can, some of them, I know, they probably didn't know if you were, you know, what you were. Kenyan, South African, mm-hmm. uh, American. They had no idea, huh? Sure. Mm-hmm. They treated you a certain way. Now, what was it, is there a great divide between the light-skinned and the dark-skinned over there? No. You say uh, no? Not to my, not really to my knowledge. I mean, to, to what I witnessed. It's more of a uh, economics thing. It's not race. Okay. It's like, it's, well, what's racism like over there? Is it is no racism? I mean, I you don't know. feel it. Well, racism in in the sense that there's a lot of uh, Asian and Europeans in the country, so when you see them, you know why they're there, you know. And so if okay, why are they there? So I think amongst the locals and certain people, there is it's not racism. There's no way Africans can be racist amongst towards Europeans. Well, we can be. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not economic. It's an mm-hmm. economic infrastructure. Yeah, right. Who, but mm-hmm. you know, there's like a tension um, that can be there. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, why are they there? Right? Are uh, they developing in different ways? Um, they may be extracting resources from certain mines and villages. Are there uh, the infrastructure building and stuff? Are there? Uh, over in Ghana, are they really putting a lot of economic development into Ghana? Is it kind of like falling by the wayside? Mm-hmm. You know, to my knowledge, I feel like since Kwame Nkrumah, who's the first president of Ghana, there hasn't really been, you know, extreme kind of motion in terms of development, right? Mm-hmm. There's been like small, mm-hmm. small things. Uh, there was a bridge in Sinchi that was built. Uh, but you know, and I'm not a politician, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that there's some road problems in certain villages. Like, the roads be bad. 
Uh, and then transportation, you know. It's hard with some of that transportation. Yeah, and mm-hmm. development in terms yeah. of, okay, you Personal know. people have their cars as personal cabs and things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they just, do do pretty good when it comes to, you know, making sure you have to have, like, certain licenses to, mm-hmm. to be a taxi. Because I bought a car. I, I mean, I got a license. Let's say that one. You got a license over in Ghana? Yeah. To drive. Well, what did you have and to that do? Process to, now tell us about that. How did you obtain some license in Ghana? What did you have to do? What do you have to do? To get well, license in Ghana. Right. I'm yeah, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a brother. I actually for one I could have gone straight by myself, but he knows the language. Um so I went, so I had a liaison to go with me. What to uh, like the D M V or something? Yeah. Mhm. Uh to be candid and honest, mostly it takes money. So you can buy some license, huh? Yeah. If, if you got and, the money, huh? You know, like a hundred CD uh, pay for insurance, you know, which is like $20 for a year. Insurance, insurance for Car insurance. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the process was super simple. So if you got some money, you got a couple hundred dollars, you can just go get your license, get your insurance, and get everything. Right? Yeah. If you have a few thousand, you can buy some land. Easy. Pretty easy. Make sure you get the paperwork and all that good stuff. Uh, but I have some connections, too, if anybody wants to. Buy some land. Inquire. Mm-hmm. Hit my inbox. Yeah. To build a house and all that, you got some build. Yeah, get some permits and things. I mean, it's true, but it's far more reasonable than here. So for like $50,000, you can you can live like a king, huh? Basically, yeah. Do the research. Yes. Because, yeah, money goes five times there. Um, so, yeah, there's some YouTube channels that will show you the, the development that's going on, mm-hmm. you know. Now, there's an opportunity. Yeah, opportunity. Now, we're talking about the good stuff, building the houses and getting that kind of stuff going on. What about opening businesses there? What kind of businesses do you think that will be really that they may not have or you could open up in Ghana mm. to really be successful at it? Uh, I mean, what what okay, what, what was what was what was trending at the time? Like, oh man, everybody's on this certain tip. Uh, trending. I'm not into trends. But... I mean, I mean, the country is. Oh, uh, you know. but I do know an American who just repatriated and he opened a coffee shop. So okay, a coffee that's, shop. There's a coffee shop. So he grinds beans, and you know, there's not too many coffee shops there. So if uh, you would open up a nice coffee shop, you could do well. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, maybe. Possibly. Maybe, huh? That's a question mark? Yeah, question mark. You were there, so you I saw know I'm it, there, you know. but I'm thinking about marketing uh, and Mar- art. Marketing sales? I mean, come uh, on. Now. I think anybody has a hotel going to make some money. Anybody who has a hotel, uh, maybe open up maybe an infrastructure that houses different businesses, you know, like an incubator space, you know, something like that. Taxi transportation always makes money. They always make money. Uh, barbers, that's Barber true in America shop. too. Yeah, um, yeah. We always need something done to our hair. Mhm, mhm. Um, Just a variety. Yeah, of different... same as here, I, I would yeah. think. But you know, looking more into the resources is what people need to really be. Do they have on. like uh, grocery stores and stuff like that? Yeah. Yes. Are they just like uh, small? They have price rights. 
you know, a lot of stuff is not, the larger things are not owned by Africans, like the mall in Accra. They're owned by Europeans and people like that? Yeah. Asians. Now, I hear that the Asians are taking over Africa slowly. Oh, that's quite a few. In certain areas of uh, Africa, they're really become dominant, you know, in some some areas. Yeah, I think... Was it Tanzania? They said Tanzania. They, they I had, heard like, about bought that. A piece of that. Yeah. Bought it mm-hmm. and trying to change the currency to the yen. But mm-hmm. who? I mean, at this point, I, I'm tired of talking about what everybody else is doing, and I want to just encourage us to do something ourselves. You know, uh, take the mantle and do it. You know, they're con- they're going to continue to do it till the day we die. You mm-hmm. know, or like not die, mm-hmm. but they're going to continue. So we must. Uh, get hip, you know, Killer Mike, uh, P Diddy, and Wade, mm-hmm. uh, Ice Cube. Certain people are really, you know, leading efforts. To we do buy something. black, you know, dot mm-hmm. com. Black banks and all that kind of stuff taking yeah. place. I'm ready for that one to launch. The Greenwood Bank. Yeah, they haven't launched it yet. I thought they Not launched. To my it. knowledge. Yeah. Hmm. I gotta look into it myself. Cause that's important. Economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Great. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Africa showed me a lot. I The last time I went there, I did an art exhibition. Um, that was kind of the reason why I went. I had an art residency, so I spent four months there creating art, just looking at the, continuing to look at the social, political issues going on and presenting that in artwork. So I presented that. Uh, a gentleman named Kay, he owns a place called Abajo. And I presented the artwork there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was nice. nice Very well huh? received. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, yes, got to talk on the stage uh, during Charlie Wilde with uh, Bob Marley's granddaughter, um, Denisha Pendergrass. Was she performing or something? Uh, she's more of like a filmmaker, art, you know, uh, journalist in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so she, we were talking about art and politics. So I got to sit next to her and. You know, listen to what she had to say. She had flew in from Jamaica. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you went over to Jamaica too? No. no the Caribbean? I, no. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. No. All right. You just no, was in Africa. Just Africa. That's my, and so my destination. Ghana was the main place, right? Mm-hmm. And did you go to any other countries? Uh, did you visit anything to, else? Uh, Cote d'Ivoire. I've been there for What was that like? Time. They speak French, and I don't know too much French. So mm-hmm. that was... Uh, Black people speaking French, huh? Yeah, it just made me really appreciate. Uh, and then when I, I had a layover in Paris, um, and so I was there. And there's a lot of Black people in Paris. Um, and they speak French, and it's nice to see Black people speak another language. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time when you say French, people never think about Black people speaking it. I mean, now you can not just over get here, on not Netflix over here. and look at some yeah, British not over here movies. in the United States. Because that's know. all I do. Well, yeah. if they know, Idris Elba is British, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he they is. really pay attention. I was watching him last night. Yeah. On, uh, what is it, Concrete Horseman or something? Yeah. Something like that. I've seen it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool movie. Yeah, it's a good movie, great movie. It's based on a true story. Okay, now, moving on along. You, right. got, a, you <laughs> got some artwork right behind I you. I sure right do. Can you move to the side and kind of explain what you painted right here? Okay. And what you put together. Well, let's see if move this. Uh, I um, found this piece of wood in New York. I had an art show in New York at the New York Yeah. Cafe. Yeah. And I found this while I was there. So it's shaped actually like 
Oklahoma, if you check it out. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like Oklahoma? Yeah. So a lot of my Oklahoma paintings are the colors are red, white, and blue. I just feel like Tulsa is representative of what America mm-hmm. uh, is in terms of uh, Black Wall Street. It's prominent. Uh, this was a place for people to come, you know, no man's land. Mm-hmm. No man's land to come. So there was an effort for people to come here almost right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's America. So those colors come out. So there's a real flag there. There's um glass mirror here, like reflection, but it's broken. Seeing yourself. So it's mixed media. I have um, some realistic tent things here. I drew Louis uh, Escipio. Uh, she was the first law, uh, black law student at OU. Uh, Thurgood Marshall had to fight to help her get in. And then John Marshall Langston, uh, they named Langston the town and university after him. So I, oh, so I that's Mr. Mr. Langston right there, huh? Yeah, John Langston. He was mm-hmm. from G- Virginia. He was a rep- U.S. representative. Langston University. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I put a lighter here. Kind of, for me, that represents, like, fire, even. Uh, but antagonization, really. Uh, so I put the Statue of Liberty there. There's a picture of that. That's some gold flakes, 24-karat gold flake leaf there. Yeah. Some coin, uh, yeah, a coin. What's yeah. the name of the portrait? Do you have a name it's for untitled. it? It's untitled. Untitled right now? Yeah. No, it is indefinitely for now. Yeah. So are you through with it? It's complete? Uh, yeah, I'm finished. And then there's like a light bulb shining down on the glass. Oh, okay. I see. There's a lot going on. I used to, I used spray paint, uh, acrylic, latex acrylic paint. Looks like you got blood on there, huh? Yeah, that's the spray paint. That was done on purpose. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a lot of pain, but there's resilience in it, too. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to do that? That piece right there? It's a process. So probably some months. Mm-hmm. Coming back to it. I work yeah. on more than one piece at a time. So You do multiple pieces? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your studio? Mm-hmm. Because it has to dry. You know, it's layered. And I use the it's a control drip is what I call it. Uh, I use that as a medium in my artwork. So it inflicts some type of emotion you, out of you. And do you get your paints from various different places? Uh, yeah. Um, people like to give me paint sometimes. Uh, donated paint to mm-hmm. Underground Tree Studios anytime. Uh, but Lowe's. Some, some Lowe's paints. Mm, I had a connection with 1-800-JUNK in Baltimore, and they would just give me paint. They would allow me to come and just pick out whatever type of paint I wanted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a good connection. So, paint can cost. Yeah, I know. So a painting like that, what was something that value and cost? If you were to sell it, what would you put a price tag on that? That painting right there. Good question. Uh, it is a great question. Someone who's looking and may want, oh, man, I like that. Let me go ahead and, man, how much you, would she sell it for? What would you sell that for? Uh, this piece is $2,500. Okay. $2,500. Mm-hmm. Right. And I make payment plans to mm-hmm. people really serious, mm-hmm. you know, investors. Right. Do you frame it as well? Uh, no, because no. it's already on wood. Yeah, so you don't uh, need to so, find um, They just need no. to take it just as is, right? Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. I have graphic work that is framed, mm-hmm. graphic artwork, which is uh, 
composed into a book at this point. Mm-hmm. But how many paintings do you think you've sold in you, since you started painting? Where would you put a number on it? How, how that's many? That's a good question. I, I'm just trying to figure <laughs> it out. How many you just estimate, just guess, guesstimate you sold? You sold. Yeah, I heard you. Uh, what? Because then I've also done some mural work too. Two hundred thousand? What? You know, a lot. A lot. Just okay. Just yeah, I would say quite a bit in terms of my age and being a living artist. Mhm. Mhm. I'm proud of that fact. You know, uh, being. Hmm. I would say passionate about this, you know, it's activism at the same time, you know, it's not at the same time, it's me, but it's also history. It's it's not me at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. You paint a lot of black cultural uh, paintings, don't you? Uh, is that, am I correct with that or do you just go? I'm an abstract artist. I'm ab- an abstract artist mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know. In the abstract. Right. right. So I like to uh, paint emotion and feeling and a lot of it is, I am black, right? And I'm a woman. So it's reflective of who I am, of course. But a lot of my paintings are very colorful. This is one of the most realistic kind of depictions that I have. A lot of my artwork is super just interpretive. You know, you can see what you want to see, feel what you want to feel. Mm-hmm. So if someone wanted to uh, look at some more of your artwork and find out all about you know, your art and stuff right. like that. Where would they go to find that? Uh, numbers? They can go you know. to my website. Okay. Uh, they can come to the Greenwood Joy Experience. That's what they can do. Speaking of the yeah. Greenwood Joy Experience, yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. How did that come about? How did it come about? Yeah, how did it come about? It came about partially because I was asked to do a project. Um, Well, through the Greenwood Art Project, right, which is co- um, sponsored 1920 Race Master Commission and Bloomberg Philanthropies. So I had to come up with an idea, right? My initial idea was do the right thing because uh, we already know we need certain people need to be doing the right thing. They ain't. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joy, there ain't much around. You know, I don't see much. You know, there's like different uh, things that I see, different images, you know, people roller skating here and there, laughing, you know. But true joy, I look around and we still fight for George Floyd, you know, at the time when I'm thinking about this. Uh, the environment every day, every other day, you know, somebody's getting shot. The environment is not joyful. So I just wanted to bring that to a space. So I thought of what the visuals would look like for African Americans in the U.S. to be joyful. So that looks like dance, uh, looks like uh, music, smiling, laughing, having pride in yourself, you know. Being joyful. Uh, yeah. And then, so how we get there, right? We can't just be like, poof, I wake up and I'm joyful. No, there's certain things that need to be addressed through the city, state, and government, through our systems and society uh, to, Such to as. get us there. Such as? Mm. Uh, we talked a little bit about ownership. Right, so that's that's a piece of it. Uh, spiritual healing, so addressing certain traumas and different things that we have uh, due to our history in America. Uh, right, and yeah. then uh, financial payback is also. So those are the three things I identify feeling like we need to get to a, to a root of, and addressing those visibly in this real time in order to achieve joy. 
as an African-American. Yeah, achieving joy is something that we all need to have. We need to bring joy back into our lives and stuff because we've been traumatized, you know, traumatized, systematically controlled, and a whole lot of other things. And some of us are not aware of who we really are, you know, so we got to bring some joy back into our life. Right. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do when you have uh, people who are oppressed and depressed and have depression, you know, because uh, sometimes people may need some some type of therapy or something Mm -hmm. to help themselves grow, get out of that depression. Facts. And, you know, know, like different tribes and different communities have different ways of even, you know, uh, how, how do you say it? Uh, therapy, you know, mm-hmm. like community therapy, if anything, mm-hmm. for living life, you know, dancing outside. Different villages have even said, like, just dancing mm-hmm. is a form of therapy. Oh, yeah. Therapy, yeah. music. So I have an interactive portion in my art show where people can pick up instruments. Uh, everything is COVID safe. We have uh, wipes uh, and sanitizer everywhere. So, you know, you can pick up some sticks and drum or and just bang beat on the and drum. bang and let it all out. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. And feel feel the vibe. So I mean, the the soft opening was on the fifth, and it was very well received. I would say, yeah. That was your project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Let's just say that. So so I created the Greenwood Arts Project, four right? large scale paintings mm-hmm. to go on the space, and then use my graphic artwork to accent the art. Uh, and so it's inside the Green Arch Building. I've turned a penthouse suite into an art gallery for. Two months for a couple of months yeah until june 19th so there's dates may 22nd may 31st and june 19th physically in the area i mean in the space wow yeah so i feel fortunate to finally you know this is it's been a good platform i have some some qualms of course but at the same time to be able to show my abilities as an artist and what i've been able to do in different regions outside of Tulsa, but definitely I'm, I feel proud because it's in honor of Black Wall Street 100 year centennial since the ma- the massacre, the tragic massacre. Yeah, speaking of the massacre, how do you feel about it? You know, we're getting ready to uh, uh, do 100 years, the centennial. What do you think about that massacre that took place in 1921? Uh, it's horrible. That's what I think. Yeah, well, we knew it was horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, hmm, there's been much effort to cover it up and not really, you know, address what the true feelings and emotions and economics are and what has truly been lost, you know, from a community uh, that has was able to rebuild, right, 20, in 1925, able to rebuild. But yet now you look through urban removal, certain things, that certain things just aren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our community, even mentality-wise. So, you know, what do I think? Jeez, I think uh, anybody coming in and doing anything that has to do with entrepreneurship and building rightfully a pool of a pool, so we can uh, exchange our resources and keep them in the community longer. Now, those who don't understand that aspect of black business and black wall street. Now that 
is unfortunate, you know. Mm-hmm. That's something they Well you need to learn you need to them. There's quite a few of them yeah, around. So uh, let's just say that. Learn your history. You gotta know what you're all about. You know, that was horrific down there in nineteen twenty one. Uh white people jealous and envious of black people, burning down the buildings and destroying the economic wealth that uh blacks had acquired. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh during a time when uh, whites wouldn't even here in Tulsa wouldn't even sell uh lumber and things like that to black people. Mm-hmm. So they had to go some some of them had to go outside to other cities and states to acquire that type of uh uh growth when it came to building rebuilding and, rebuilding right. and on the rebuild. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, even the building side, you know, even uh blacks didn't put because we had our own banks and our own credit unions and our own everything. We didn't have to go to white people for anything, you know, so we had our own stuff. And they just really didn't like the idea that we had so much economic growth and wealth, you know. Because when you think about it, they say over 600 businesses down there on, on Greenwood, and uh, you had taxi cab services and Jenny service. Jenny services. And some blacks even Simon had Barry. some airplanes and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, man, come on. You know, it was going. It was on and popping. Some blacks had china in their in their homes, and they had pianos and pl- even plumbing. Yeah, and they you took know? it. And they took it all away. Uh, you know, they burned yeah. it up and destroyed it. And but a lot of it. I mean, some of it they didn't burn. They took it. Oh yeah, they looted like mm-hmm. crazy. Jewelry. I mean, they, I mean, you hear stories of yeah. elders saying that mm-hmm. they saw their jewelry on people. Yeah, and you know, I often imagine like a mother running down the street with her babies. And somebody just gunning them down, shooting them down. I don't want to, but yeah, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. And I see, I've seen plenty of pictures. Yeah. Um, at, you know, archive pictures doing the research that I do through my artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also working on a volume too. This, I mean, uh, every let's see, Tulsa Library. Well, I don't want to. There's a lot of archives out there with photos. And oh, yeah, through this season. I was commissioned to do a project through the Green Culture Center, but I've seen so many. I've seen photos I've never seen before. Yeah, there's a lot out year. there. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of people trying to uh, gain economic wealth off of writing books and stuff like that, and trying to, you know, yeah. sell them. Their books sell for twenty, twenty-five dollars, and they're trying to make money. Yeah, you know, I published my what? Mm, it's going on two years now. I mm-hmm. published my book. Uh, and I've been marinated. I'm from Tulsa, I would say, you know. Well, you're from Tulsa, but I'm talking about outsiders and people yeah. who don't know the true story. That's been you know, happening, right? It's happening, you know. Um, and I've had people, an influx of people contact me wanting the story. And I only tell the story who I want to tell the story to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I'm at with that. Because uh, I don't have to tell no story if I don't want to. You're not going to make me, you know, so that's just it. There we go. But I will tell the truth. That's because as long as I'm telling the truth, then, hey, I'm feeling okay about myself. Right. You know, right. As long as as I'm telling the truth. And the truth that you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times as a journalist, I'll just say, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know. But... This knowledge is valuable, one. Those who do the research and who know certain details, yeah, that's good, it's, right? It's real good. And should use it 
rightfully. Yeah, or we say rightfully. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. So I know quite a bit. Just do the research. Um, each image that I've obtained from the Greenville Culture Center, uh, J. Cavan Ross, uh, Harold M. Anderson collection, in uh, in some of my film work. Now, I've learned a lot just going through the photos as a journalist. Mm-hmm. And then the photos just, tell a story. Yeah. And the news articles. Mm-hmm. If you read the news articles, so doing that work, I've spent hours doing, mm-hmm. looking at archive photos and newspaper clippings from Chickasha, Times, Muskogee, Armour Times. You know, they mm-hmm. all wrote about, the surrounding towns wrote about. Yeah, black townships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, there was a lot of yeah. them. Because a lot of people fled, about 50, wasn't it? hid in the woods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And created their own little environment, their right. own little town. Or just left and never looked back. Mm-hmm. Quite a few Never years. came back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little short pause for the calls. Okay. You know, you all, we got Don Tree in the house, and we've been talking and talking it up about joy and other things and what she's all about and what she's got going on. You can dial the number if you want to. Uh, 918-856-3873. Call in, you know, speak to Don. Let's let's get it on. All right. We'll be right back, so stick around, okay? North Star Security and Private Investigation provides over 35 years of experience to ensure your security and investigation needs are met. Our officers are CLEAT and state certified. If you are seeking employment, stop by our website at www.NorthStarSecurityNPI.com. For details on quotes and employment opportunities, call today at 918-248-6592. That's 918-248-6592. North Star Security and Private Investigation. Last Stop Lawn Maintenance and Landscaping is hiring today. Must have a valid driver's license and must have a two years verifiable experience mowing and lawn maintenance with the company. Strict attendance policy is required. Honest, dependable, and team-oriented. No sex offenses or crime against children. Must apply online at www.laststoplawnmaintenance.com. Apply today. Hey, it's Denise with Addie Mae's Food for the Soul, where we cater to vegan, Presbyterian, and everyday poultry soul food. We have Meatloaf Monday, Taco Tuesday, Chicken Meat Wednesday, Turkey and Dressing Thursday, Fish Fridays, Barbecue Saturdays, and Sundays is our poultry soul food. We're located at 5266 North Peoria. You can contact us for calling orders at 918-845-2989, and we also deliver with DoorDash. Hope to see you soon. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community? The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. 
The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit TulsaTransit.org for more details. And you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hey, it's Alfre Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. Peace and black power. This is the prince of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Umar Johnson. Whenever I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm listening to The Bobby Eaton Show, 89.9 FM KBOB, for news, information, and critical analysis. The Bobby Eaton Show, that's where Dr. Umar hangs out. All right. Hey, we're back here on the Bobby Eaton Show every Monday, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time and Saturdays from 12 to 2 Central Standard Time. We got Miss Don Tree in the house. Hey, Don, we're going to go to the phone lines right quick, okay? Okay. And we're going to see what's going on. KBOB 89.9, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Hey, hey. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Bobby. Hey, Don. Hey. Hey. I think I know that voice. I think, yeah, I know that voice, too. <laughs> is that Michelle Brown? This is Michelle Brown, yes. Absolutely. How are how, how we doing, lady? Yes. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. I've been watching the show, and I couldn't wait to, to chime in and just kind of say hello to my friend, Don. I'm a huge fan. She's one of the um, the few people that I feel that I can really just be myself with, talk to about anything, vent to, um, and have a real down-to-earth conversation with. So um, aside from having such a respect for her artwork and her being able to tell our history um, through the art. Oh, yeah. She's a great person right there. So, Michelle, you're over. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I feel the same way. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Y'all got a relationship there, huh? Oh, we've traveled together. Yeah. We've spoken okay, about the massacre together. And talk that talk, huh? Yeah, because she knows. It's one of the, yeah. that was one of the best 
um, presentations that I've ever been a part of. We went to Kansas City and our, Don's artwork was on display and the people loved it. They were so attentive and she talked about her artwork. I gave the background history of Black Wall Street and, and the 1921 Tulsa Massacre and it just flowed so smoothly. It was, it was beautiful, I think, to put the history with the artwork to tell the story to people who were really eager to learn more about the history, uh, about our history here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, and, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, you're down at the Greenwood Cultural Center, and I know that there are some events and things are going to take place. Could you share a little bit of that with us? Absolutely. So first and foremost, we are going to be um, premiering a project that uh, that Don did for us. Um, it's a visual um, online uh, project that you'll be able to view. I think it's about 15 minutes, um, Don, if I'm correct. Yeah. And it shows um, her artwork with her narrating um, and telling the history. And so that will be available online and free to access. And then we are preparing um, to how the um, Bernard and Shirley Kinsey African-American Art and History Exhibit, they have the largest collection of um, Black um, history and artifacts dating back to the mid-1500s. The collection is so impressive, and it will be on display both at the Greenwood Cultural Center and the gathering site, and people will be able to come and view some of their pieces, but also hear from the Kinsey family, which includes their son, um, Khalil, and it is such an impressive exhibit in itself, but hearing them speak, they are so passionate about Black people. <laughs> they are so um, in love with being Black and promoting um, Black unity, um, Black love, Black families, and so you'll really be blessed if you um, get the opportunity to come out and hear them speak. Um, I believe the exhibit starts May 22nd, and it runs through um, mid-June. Hmm. Sounds interesting down there. How, yeah. th- how things going down at the Culture Center these days? Well, first, I want to say thank oh, you ahead. Yeah, to uh, ahead, the Greenwood Culture Center for commissioning me to do the virtual art uh, film, uh, telling my story and bringing it to life outside of the book. So thankful for Ms. Francis and Michelle. So, yeah. Because I've been working with the Cultural Center for, uh, what, going on three years now, uh, teaching with their summer program, doing entrepreneurship and marketing. Uh, so I'm I'm grateful for the relationship, being that it's been there. What, going on 25 years, it's really the place to go for any historical reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, Don started working with our Young Entrepreneurship Program And this will be our second year not being able to offer that program um, because of the pandemic, but she uh, participated as a guest artist and worked with our kids, helping them to think of themselves as entrepreneurs and creating their own graphic designs, their logos um, for their businesses, what they envision their businesses could be. Um, And so that's kind of where our relationship began, but she's been one of those people that I've really enjoyed working with and and um, always look for an opportunity to work with her. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. Sounds good. good. Yeah. Now, now uh, I got a question. Uh, are you guys still doing uh, cultural center tours down there? We are not actually. We actually reopen 
um, on Monday, our facility will reopen to the public and we won't be giving guided tours um, immediately, but okay. we do plan to resume uh, those guided tours towards the end of the month. The, um, I believe it's the 28th through June the 1st, we're going to be offering guided tours of the Mabel B. Little Heritage House. And the Black Wall Street monument outside is being renovated. Being yeah, and that's redone. what I was going to ask you about that. Are you, are they, uh, yes. got, got a whole new look taking place? Whole new look taking place. It hasn't been um, really updated since it was installed during the 75-year commemoration that took place um, that the Greenwood Cultural Center participated in. And so we're excited to have that work completed by the end of the month when we know people are going to be traveling from around the world to join our community in commemorating um, Mm -hmm. our history. Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of other events. There's a young entrepreneurship um, bowl that's taking place. There's the Greenwood Film Festival there's um, Tulsa 21, um, a musical performance that's taking place at the Greenwood Cultural Center. And the tickets are sold out to that, but there will be um, the, the video of that performance will be available online for people to view um, following the performance. So quite a bit of, quite a few events is that, is that, is that tomorrow, taking place. Tomorrow night you got something going on, don't you? Um, tomorrow night, I'm not sure. I believe yeah, that's I be- the... I believe it's a dark town Darktown. Oh, yeah. Yes, so. Mabel uh, Wallace. Is that her production? Yeah, Mabel Wallace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's taking place. They were actually having practice um, later this evening. So, yes, that's taking place tomorrow evening at the Greenwood Cultural Center. And I believe I shared her um, flyer on my social media account um, wanting to help share information about that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, if you had anything to say about the 1921 massacre, what would be your words of wisdom to tell people? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if there's wisdom, but I, I want us to, as we approach the commemoration, to remember what this history means to us and to understand that it is our responsibility to share this history. Because we can see that um, there are going to be efforts made and have been efforts made to control how we share this history, right? How we talk about this story. And so we have to take the responsibility to make sure that our children and future generations are educated about the history that we learn from the uh, survivors and from their descendants, from people that were in the community. There are so many stories that are have still yet to be told not just of the massacre or of Black Wall Street, but of the Greenwood District through, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s. And so I actually got a chance to listen to Chuck Sissel recently talk about the Greenwood District when he was young and the different stores that were here and all of the activities that you could do. And it was simply, I'm always amazed when I hear uh, people talk about Greenwood when it was vibrant. You know, when when you could shop and anything that you needed was in your community, when you were welcome to spend your dollars in stores that were located in your community. Mm -hmm. And so I just encourage us to learn about that part of our history that we're still learning more about because more information continues to 
to come forward, more documents and art, um, artifacts um, continue to be discovered. And so there's so much still for us to learn and to share. And as we, um, there are a ton of activities that are taking place in our community, um, festivals and marches and protests and, and events that as we are participating in these events that we remember um, why we are here, why we are able um, to be a part of telling this story and just how important our history is um, and how it is also our, our story to tell. Oh, yeah, right. We're going to have to get you in here. Hey, we're about to do for another little sit-down meeting. You. <laughs> you know, we haven't done one in a while. Got to get you back up in well, here. You know, I love, um, I absolutely love coming, and mm-hmm. I appreciate all of the work that you continue to do. Um, Bobby and Don, you continue to do what, what you do. You definitely have some support here. Um, I, I'm definitely a fan, and so, um, yeah, you keep on keeping on. Well, thank yeah. you for yeah, thank doing you for that. And thank you so much. Same for, to you. For, yeah, right. Same. It goes both ways, mm-hmm. you know. I know the frontline soldiers, the people who are in the works who are doing it to make mm-hmm. it happen. You know, we got a very few of them, you know, and you can almost count them, mm-hmm. you know. But, hey, you are one of those frontline soldiers, Michelle, you know. I appreciate I appreciate that. I think you mentioned earlier how so many people are taking opportunity, um, taking the opportunity to capitalize on this history um, and to market um, our history for their own personal game that have no connection to this uh, community, that have not invested in, in this community. And so there are people um, out there that tell the story because they feel um, compelled to tell this story because of their own personal connections or because they are part of this community or they simply understand how important it is to tell our our story without any financial gain, not expecting um, anything in exchange, just doing it because it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And so I respect those people that have been in the game a long time, um, that have been telling this story without a lot of fanfare, without a lot of acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. They simply have been doing the work and will continue to do the work because it's in their heart to do. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. All right, Michelle Brown, thank you for tuning in and calling in, okay? Thank you. All right. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Michelle Brown of the Greenwood Cultural Center. Yes. You know she's been there for a while, and she's deep. She's heavy. Yeah. She knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, and knows, knows that history. history. So mm-hmm. she's down at the Greenwood Cultural Center. Exactly. Great, 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 great. Yes. Don Tree, what's in store for Don Tree right now? What do you, what do you see in the future for yourself? Oh, um, just expanding my artwork, uh, expanding Underground Tree Studios. In the aspects of teaching, creating, and providing the opportunity to invest in art. So once this show comes to a close, so I'm really focused on the Greenwood Joy experience, so, uh, and getting the most out of it, you know. Uh, a lot of the art is expressing a type of spirit that I would to be had, you know. That's a lot of my artwork is just kind of, visualizing something that may not be there, you know? So bringing that joy to the space is very light, bright colors. I use a lot of glitter and gold even, uh, and that's very different from a lot of my other work. So I'm very focused on this right now, to be honest. Uh, And then simultaneously 
uh, a lot of the proceeds are going towards our youth economic fund. So I'm really just really focused on expanding that aspect of the fund. So being able to bring entrepreneurship and uh, art to spaces without having to rely on different organizations, a lot of them are lacking, one, the opportunity to do it now because of COVID, but also uh, finances for it. So being able to have my own fund to do that so people can donate, it's a nonprofit, uh, Renew Destiny. So, uh, you know, feel free to, and a lot of the proceeds of this are going towards that. So that's the main focus, being able to teach young people virtually and adults as well. So, so yeah, that's that. And then my personal art career, Dawn Tree, just highlighting that. What are you painting right now? Whew, I'm taking a break, actually. Cause oh, you're taking a these, break from these it, These huh? paintings are very large scale that I worked on. So They're not small paintings. They're large paintings. Very large. And they're all, they're all on wood. So, you know, think... Uh, five to six feet, you know. That's a, um, that's a lot. Yeah, two of them are. And then, yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're large. It took a couple people to bring them into the space. Uh, so I'm really just kind of focusing on uh, describing them to the people. I, you know, I had to write descriptions, but taking in the the feedback from the creation at this point. You You spend months creating. Now I want to show it, and get feedback. Mm-hmm. Get feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to get a lot of feedback, you know. It's going to yeah. happen. I've gotten some good feedback. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Well, hey, you know, uh, we've been uh, talking for a while now, and yeah. we got a lot of stuff in. Anything else you'd like to tell our audience? Uh, you can go to my website. Uh, you can Google Underground Tree Studios. Go to utreep.com. I have a, I have a book. I have merchandise, I have artwork, uh, and then I have a youth economic fund. We work with young people. Okay, so. great. Sounds good. Is that it? Yeah. That's well, what it is. Well, I mean, if you want to go <laughs> some more, you got some more you want to talk uh, about? Instagram, it's up to you. Underground Tree. Yeah, Underground Tree. Well, we're going to take a little break. Yeah, Let's okay. do that. Let's take this little break. Yeah, let's take a break. And let me pay some of them. Let's get them coins. Yeah, get some. Uh, yeah, I got to pay some bills and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to do a little bit of that, and uh, we're going to be right back, and we're going to, you know, talk a little bit more. We got a little bit more time to go. Okay? All right, here. You're on KBOB 89.9 FM, KBOB899.com. Visit our website, KBOB899.com. We'd love to hear from you. You know, so that's all you got to do. Go there, make a few comments, make a a few suggestions or requests for songs or Anything like that. So we want you to do. Okay. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. P&J Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N-B-A-C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody's talking about you and you're together. What you do with me. If your credit starts with a three... 
four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lester Troutman. It's Zab Troutman. From the Zap. And when we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we always listen to... What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hey, it's Alfre Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB, 89.9 FM. Peace and black power. This is the Prince of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Umar Johnson. Whenever I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm listening to The Bobby Eaton Show, 89.9 FM KBOB, for news, information, and critical analysis. The Bobby Eaton Show, that's where Dr. Umar hangs out. If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, This is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit tulsatransit.org for more details. Hey, it's Alfred Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're back here on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. 
as we go down the road and we head to the Centennial, which is going to take place May 31st here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, we talk a lot about Greenwood all the time, Greenwood, Greenwood. But, you know, we never really mention Lansing. You know, we don't talk about Lansing too much. Lansing had uh, movie theaters and pool halls and all kinds of economic, black economic development on it. Back in the day, you know, it had hotels and things like that. We never talk about Lansing. So, Your father did. Huh? Your father did. Yeah, yeah. I he know. told me. He got me hip to it. Talking about Lansing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lansing is uh, something that we need to uh, talk about, you know. But it was... Uh, a lot of uh, all the way from Greenwood. Oh, it yeah, went 30, far. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, you got this map right here. Yeah, map. I'm going to find where Greenwood is on that map. Mm-hmm. You know, because that map is what? 19 what? 18. 1918, mm-hmm. a couple of years before the massacre. Right. Right. And they had a um, 1918, I have this in my book. They had a Confederate reunion in Tulsa, 1918. So oh, I did probably had everything. KKK oh, this is headquarters, like mm-hmm. you know, KKK Brady this and Brady that, and his name it was uh, at the top as the chairman. So I have mm-hmm. that highlighted in the book. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. You know, football player Felix Jones bought his home. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's what's up with that. On, okay, on Denver. That's that mm-hmm. was the Brady Mansion. And they changed the name now. Yeah. Skyline Mansion. Mm-hmm. Skyline Mansion, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so he bought it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they now have, I went and visited, they have a black business kind of expo going on yeah. there, uh, maybe bi-monthly at this point, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So I went out and uh, checked it out. You checked uh, it out? Yeah. And, you, you went know, into the I mansion? Impressed. I was pretty impressed. No, they never have it open. Yeah. And I've been up there a few times. They normally do have people outdoors or something like that. Yeah, I went to a music video shoot up there, and they didn't have it open. They were just kind of standing in front. In front of the, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Is Is he in Tulsa on the ground? Huh? Is he on the ground? Uh, The owner? Yeah. Oh, no, he lives in Dallas. Okay. He got some people there Mm. watching the ground. He just purchased it. I've never seen anybody in Mm there. But, yeah, that's what's up. He's the NFL player. And that's what we need to do. We need to buy up property. We really need to buy up property and don't sell our property. Right. You know, because, you know, we'll sell out to the man. The man will come and you'll tear it down and maybe uh, build a house or something on top of it. And mm-hmm. You'll never see your history again. Right. So don't sell. But then on the flip, also being able to get resources to buy more uh, land. Yeah, because the city's just going to get it. Mm-hmm. The city of Tulsa will get your property and they'll auction it off to the highest bidder. Right. And that's the way that'll go. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be some uh, a Caucasian male or female who purchases that property. Because they know when to go. And they know uh, when to go. And, they, you know, we don't know when to go. Well, I know there's one coming up in June. Yeah. So people should go on, like, uh, yeah. the sheriff's website or... Assessors, well, yeah. assessors, they, they sell stuff too. Yeah, you can just Google it. A big auction. T- property auctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tulsa yeah. Mm-hmm. County. Right. Figure out so. where to go. You, I mean, and they'll post the, the. I mean, I, they did a whole COVID thing because COVID. So they've been slowed, slowing down on how many auctions. But they'll post the properties on there. 
before the auction. Oh, yeah. You'll know. Yeah. You'll be able to see what they are. Some mm-hmm. of pictures and all, right? Some things. Some. Some, yeah. Yeah, some. You know, in a way, you can go. You can go to the Tulsa County They'll Assessor's They'll have the starting page. bid cost on there. You can go to the Tulsa County Assessor's if you have an address or a name mm-hmm. or somebody who has that property. And look it up, and they'll mm-hmm. tell you how much the value is, and right. maybe that's public knowledge, you know. Exactly. So we just got to know where to go get our resources mm-hmm. and where to go. We just don't know. Yeah, and that's something I've learned within the last couple of years, just kind of how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we can do. We can dial 311 if uh, alleyways and uh, stuff need to be cleared out or you need stop signs and stuff put on your street uh, for speeding and Right. You know, there's a lot of things we just fire don't. Use, we don't. Yeah, fire, yeah, right. We just don't utilize. Right. Because we don't know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Some don't care. But they don't care. Don't some know. Don't know. A we, lot of it's lack of knowledge. We just get comfortable in our living in our the same zone, and we don't change as hard. I mean, we've at this point we've been conditioned not to want more. You know, that's like a yeah, part and, and, of and, and, and I, that's not everybody. That's not no, it's everybody. Not. You know? It's not. We ain't gonna just dump everybody off into one. I'm not. One pot. I'm not. No, no, no I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So you know, there. We just got to get every others up to speed. You know. Lead Edu- by example. Yeah. That's all I can do. Yeah. Okay. Educate them. Let them know exactly you know what's going on and uh, you know that's why I'm always on this show. I'm always telling uh, my audience and listeners to volunteer and help someone. You know, if Miss Johnson's 87 years old, 89 mm-hmm. years old, she got a house, living alone, you know, and her grass needs to be cut, guys, just get the lawnmower and take two hours and go down there and just cut her grass. Yeah. Ladies, go in and wash the dishes and clean up, vacuum and straighten mm-hmm. up for her. Right. You know, do something positive. If, if Sabrina got two boys, little young boys, and they don't have a grandfather or uncle and if pops is their dad is incarcerated. Uh, go and mentor those little boys. Yeah. Or at least say hello. Well, no, do more than just <laughs> no, say hello. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, but yeah, saying yeah. hello and saying you know good words to people also. Well, good words, saying hello, but do something. Yeah, you no, know? that's total fact. You know, I had I, I was in Quick Trip uh, a couple of weeks ago, standing in line getting ready to pay for my stuff, mm-hmm. and out of the side of my ear from a distance, I heard a couple of guys talking. And they said, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's the radio dude. That's Bobby Eaton. I heard out the side of my ear. So I, I yeah. just went on paid for my stuff, you know. I went mm-hmm. paid for my stuff, and yeah. I started walking out. And both of them came to me. Hey, man, I really appreciate what you're doing, man. I support you, man, 100%. Right. I support you. I said, well, thank you, man. I really appreciate how do you support me. Well, oh, uh, same kind of words. Yeah. Just kind of words. Yeah. And support you. You know, and sometimes, and I'm not just talking for me, but I'm just saying, sometimes you got to do stuff. You know, you got to be careful what you say to somebody. You know what I mean? You got to be, you got to be oh, real yeah. careful what you say to facts. people. And that's just, that is just facts. Yeah. You know, uh, Don Tree, I support you. I do everything. I'm just behind you. You know, talk. You can say anything. You know, you can you can just say anything to somebody. You got to be a doer. 
Get involved. Right. Do something. Help somebody. Help a senior. Mm-hmm. Help a little, a little bitty boy. Mentor. Guys, get out there. Do something. Mm-hmm. One thing that we don't do is we don't train up our young men how to do be domestic and have skills of building. Right. You know, how to hammer, saw, how to electrical, plumbing. They don't know how to do any of that stuff for right. the most part because they haven't been shown how to. Yeah, and to. it makes it hard for us women out here. Yeah, and it makes it hard for the women and the women starts getting, you know, getting attitudes and things like that. So, you know, I mean, it's the truth, you know, true, true talk. Yeah, you're going to get attitudes when yeah, when I the would. man is when the man is not yeah, involved. Yeah, I just had to you know, um, fix my my truck and I'm looking for a mechanic and it's hard know, to find. It's huh? hard around here in Tulsa. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a little frustrating. I don't know about attitude. I was able to, you know, be blessed in different ways and continue with my life. But and it's fixed now, but you know, it is a bit uh unfortunate that we don't have people in our com- you know, people in our community who have certain skill at this point. And most of the guys in who our have, generation. Yeah, most of the guys who have the skills are older men. You know, and some of them are basically almost retired. Some of them do. Right. Little, exactly. They, they do. Those little, are the ones. Those are the ones, the older men, you know. But and, then they don't have the same, you know, agility and. Yeah, they can't get it done as, done as fast even. as they once did in their younger years. Right. And, but I you know, appreciate them. You know, stuff like that. And the younger guys don't know how. They know how to play PlayStation. You know what I mean? They, a lot of them know how to get on that. You know, and, and well, at least make some money on that and, thing. And, well, yeah. I ain't nobody. Majority not making no money. Because a lot of they you know playing, they spend they play, the money. They spending money and they just losing money and you know they just need to get focused. Get focused on building and creating because I'm Hispanics is building. So I'm focused, right? Underground Tree Studios with the art. Art is statistically proven to help uh, education, different science and math, and focus among young people and elders. So, you know, art helps helps that. Let me ask you about art. Are there a lot of New Day artists? New Day. I'm saying modern artists, young artists. Do you run across a whole lot of artists who are out here really painting painting up the town? You know what I mean? Because I remember it used to be a lot, you know, back when I was coming up. It was quite a few guys that were painting this town up, you know. Uh, and I think there might have been more resources that supported certain artists, you know, um, actually through the actual government, you know, back in the day. Uh, but, I mean, it's a, it's a bread and butter. I mean, for the most part, I mean, elders that are like, you know, it's their bread and butter as an artist. A lot of uh, people my age, they straddle the fence with a, a full-time job, which I do not have, and then also kind of um, – you know, it takes skill to sell your artwork. Uh, it takes. Oh, it takes some big time skill to takes be an artist. Time to present your artwork and in a collective way to galleries and museum spaces and and get seen. You know, uh, especially if you're not a, a a institutionalized artist. You know, you weren't taught at. You don't have an MFA or an art degree or anything like that. Which I don't. I'm a self-taught. Folk artists is what they like to call self-taught artists. So I've worked very hard to have numerous exhibitions and get my art work seen in different regions and spaces. Mm-hmm. Have you set up at any events and stuff like that? Because I know I'm going to ask you. I'm just going to be straightforward with you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever set up at any 
events and don't sell nothing. For the most, yeah, I keep up to that. For the most part, no. Oh, I say no. Effects. I say no because I usually have something that everybody can buy, like any anything from a postcard that's a dollar, two dollars, to a book that's twenty, to a art graphic that's you know twenty to a hundred dollars, you know, and then a large scale uh, wood painting, you know, abstract painting. So there's different ranges that people can invest in. I think before I got hip to that idea. Then no, no, you know, maybe there were times where, but I prefer my art on a wall and not outside in a vending space outside. I prefer it on a wall. What is the biggest painting that you've ever done that brought the most finances? I exhibited this piece. It was called Americana in Philadelphia. Uh, It was about Black Wall Street. It was about Tulsa. And I had never created anything about Tulsa, you know, but I created it in, in Baltimore on a crate. And I, and um, the gentleman, he, he appreciated it and he invested in it. He did, huh? Mm-hmm. What did you sell it for? No. No? No. It okay. was a pretty penny. All right. Pretty penny. Yeah. I won't put you on the spot with that. but uh... I was able to pay rent for a bit with, with ease. Let's just say that. Several thousand. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Say that. But I also want to reflect on Amy Sherrill's and Kende Wiley, who did uh, the Obama's portraits. You know, they're hyper-realistic artists, which I'm not uh, per se. But them highlighting African-American artists on that platform with the government really uh, helped it, black art, I would say. You know, uh, the progression of it as fine art, you know, as something that should be represented. Yeah, because these artists get paid a lot, okay, to do these portraits. And we should have a say. And so I, I'm really proud of the Obamas for even thinking of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I wish more people may need to think forward on that that level because art is an investment. It People write it down on the taxes, you know. They'll calculate how much it's worth in their home, you know, it's equity. So, I mean, this, the house can be, I, I think, appraised differently if you count up some of the artwork. But art is worth thousands of millions of dollars depending on, you know, who the name is. Mm-hmm. People live inside of art auction spaces, you know, just flipping mm-hmm. on the phone, you know, flipping art. Have the uh, OK Pop museum approach you with some of you about any of your artwork no not per se per, not per se hmm. no when i was writing with the eagle i had a chance to senator langford i'm not sure who i can't i don't even want to Ooh, talk names right but it's a long it's been a minute uh there's certain people who orchestrated the creation of it i was i spoke with him about you know Tulsa not being on historical registry and so, you know, there's been rush, but no, 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 no direct follow up. I'm, I'm, I wear many hats. So at times I'm a journalist. At times I'm an artist. At times I'm a uh, activist, an entrepreneur, a business owner, mm-hmm. an activist. Yeah. So sometimes certain people haven't even seen my art. I would say. Mhm. Mhm. So are you going? You know, your exhibit is over with, right? No, it's no? until June 19th. 
Oh, until June 19th. Mm-hmm. It's on display. Now, tell everybody where they can come see it. Uh, it's inside the Green Arch Building. So that's Greenwood Avenue and Archer. Uh, there's Lefties on the corner, and Greenwood Rising is being constructed across the street. Mm-hmm. It's on the fifth floor. You must go to the website and get tickets. It's a private entrance on the penthouse. So you'll, you can find it on Eventbrite, the Greenwood Joy Experience. And so... Yeah, come. Uh, yeah, it's you open have... from three to eight p.m. on those days. Okay, mm-hmm. it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's the Greenwood Arts Project, right? Uh, co-sponsored. Yeah, co-sponsored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh ah, yeah. Okay. The Hilly Foundation, uh, Green Arch, uh, they're essential in making this happen as well. So appreciate them, but also Underground Street Studios co-sponsored this as well. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Sounds interesting. Sounds like fun. So you got a uh how many paintings down there? Artwork. There's six paintings, wood paintings on on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I have six graphic prints on the wall as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. About 12 different things going on. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. And that's not even my, yes. I was very selective as to which pieces I wanted in the space because mm-hmm. I want joy to be the overall feeling when you come and go. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of joy, uh, the joy experience, you interviewed me. Yes. I was on there and you yes. interviewed. Tell, tell our audience some of the other people that you interviewed. Okay, yeah. So I interviewed Tori Tyson, who has Blowout Studio. Yeah, Tori. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we know if anybody's keeping in touch politically, she the Chamber of Commerce uh, forced her out. The Greenwood, Greenwood Chamber, Chamber of, Commerce. of Commerce forced her out of her um, business, three generational business on Greenwood. So I interviewed her. She had a chance to kind of tell me what happened and where she is now. She at the time she didn't reveal where she was. I think she's back in business. I hope she called in to tell us where. Yeah, I think she's back. Uh, I'm not going to know. I don't exactly know. Anyway, she's open, though. So yeah. blowout. She took her on. She took her clientele with it. Yeah. It's a better situation, it mm-hmm. looks like. But uh, Tori, Jamal Geyer of uh, Friendship Church. Mm-hmm. Michelle Brown, Greenwood Culture Center. Gotcha. Billy Parker, Black Wall Street Market. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah. EM Media yeah. Services. Yeah, okay. Uh, and some more. Go uh, check them out. Risha Grant. Uh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Exactly. Good. You could go on and on. It's a um, lot, of, lot of people. Yeah, and I'm going to pick it up again mm-hmm. uh, and do some people in the community. Are you going to do it before the 19th? Or are you going to do it? When are you going to pick it back up? Oh, uh, not, not sure exactly. Yeah, I was going to pick it up during this season, but... I'm focused on some other things, but it, it's you coming. You shift the gears right no, now. No, not huh? yet. Not yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Okay. No. All right. I like to do everything with focus. Pro- you got a lot of projects. Huh? Everything. I like to do everything well, you know, with of quality. I try. That's good. Mm-hmm. Good you try. Yeah. So, you know, the interview was uh, interesting because we didn't just talk about joy. They, you were able to highlight what you're doing in the community mm-hmm. and then what we need to get to joy you know so that was interesting mm-hmm. so single woman jamar jamario beard i interviewed oh, jamario yeah 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 I know jamario. yeah yeah okay Coquette. okay yeah 
Another cool artist. Single woman on the move, huh? Facts. <laughs> she said facts. <laughs> on the I move. mean, uh, I'm a yeah, I'm a woman on the move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting this bag, trying to. You know, it's it's this it's this uh, heartening the statistics in terms of black women who have skills and assets who aren't respectfully compensated for them per per se, but then also forced to work in certain environments that they don't, then that aren't necessarily conducive to them. Right. So that's a reason why I started underground tree studios. So I'm able to even hire certain artists. And in the past, they've been women, you know, young girls who have design skills. Uh, and that's something that I feel proud of being able to, you know, give money and or college credit for a student, you know, to work for a woman-owned business. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of rise in that happening. You know, it's women are on the rise, you know, doing some things. Yeah, but, we are. Yeah, but it's a man's world. Sure. Yeah, yeah. but it wouldn't well, be. help us out. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be nothing without a woman or a girl. Yeah, that's what James Brown said. That's what he said. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah, a woman or a girl. Fact. A woman or a girl, you know. So we must respect one another and understand each other's positions and titles and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and things. So James said it best. And referencing Ghana again, you know, I think a lot of, how can I put this, in uh, to the highest thing that I've seen and witnessed in my gener- in my lifetime. I think that the understanding of that is, is greatest in Ghana. It's just the kind of ebb and flow of man and woman, you know, uh, in certain aspects, okay? What do you mean? Explain it. Explain aspects. that to our listeners so they know. Kind of explain it. I mean, the way historically the village is set up, the queen warrior, the woman, the queen mother, is the one who has the last day in the, in the village, right? So there's a respect that automatically comes with a woman in a village in the culture. So, yeah, but as modern day, I mean, so, so yes, having that understanding, I mean, I felt I never had to really lift much, you know, if I said these certain things I needed, there were actions taken to get those things done. I mean, yeah, I felt not necessarily at ease. But, like, I had assistance, you know? Like, I wasn't alone. Uh, and I think... Yeah, if you're moving things around, somebody's going to be there to help you. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, fluidly and easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, without no repercussions and anybody being negative about it, just... Yeah, just let's just get it done. Yeah. yeah. So, so, or the people friendly. Uh now, everywhere there's going to be different types of people, but yeah, overall, people are pretty friendly. Yeah. What about the crime rate? Ghana yeah. is one of the most peaceful places I've ever been. You don't hear too much. I mean, yeah, every once in a while you get a small boy, you know, kind of wanting to do a little crime and do this yeah, and do but that. But you ain't hearing no pow, 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 and shootings and all that going on. No. No. Yeah. no. Neighborhood, you know. Ain't no gangs over there, is it? Or is it? Not that I know of. I know, like, in Nigeria, they have... Um, Ooh, Nigeria. Haram, I, got some, you know? I got some partners who live in Nigeria. So, where there's places where there's, like, heavy religious tension and different things like that, now you should do the research before you go, okay? That's all I have to say about that. Do that research. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Study. Yeah. And, and it's so easy to do the research, too, because you got YouTube, you got all kinds. Yeah, now you have a lot of Americans going right. over and vlogging their whole experience mm-hmm. and talking about every single thing that happens. Every, every step. You know, yeah. I've seen some, yeah. you know, and I've seen some went over there and they liked it so much they decided to move there and stay. Right. I have a few people, repatriates, mm-hmm. that's what they call them. Yeah. I mean, COVID interrupted some things, but... It didn't um, interrupt everything, though. No, I'm talking in terms of travel. But, yeah, no, it didn't. Mm-mm. Not everything. No. Yeah. So, divest. Just do what you do. There's going to be issues everywhere you go. That's why I'm really focused on uh, joy in America, as in African America in America. In America. <laughs> You say America. 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 <laughs> America. You know what I mean? <sighs> What's up, America? America. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, Don Tree, hey, we coming to a close right now. Let's go ahead and it's been nice having you yeah. give the uh, information how someone can get in touch with you. Hey, go to my website, uh, com. That's the letter U T R E E P dot com. Go to Google Underground Tree Studios. Facebook, Underground Tree Studios. Instagram, Underground Tree. Underground Tree, Underground Tree, huh? There we go. Well, how did you come tree. up with that name? Boom. Tree. Boom. <laughs> well, you all got sound effects. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Tyler Perry, uh, yeah, he actually has this quote about a tree and how uh, leaves can represent a certain type of people that can blow off in any season. Branches are certain people. It takes a little bit more wind. And then roots. You only have to have a few roots for a good tree to grow. So even one root for a tree to grow. So taking that understanding and then moving to a different city, D.C., and learning that a lot of the good stuff is just it's who you know and networking and underground. So And the underground scene poetry even you know you got to know certain people to get to the good things so that's where that came from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i just flipped the tree over yeah came over that huh uh-huh. and the roots are paint underground tree all yeah. right well thank you lady for coming to the bobby eaton show yeah. where we tell our stories our way mm. we're gonna get you back thanks for allowing me to you know yeah, black on black community back. radio right 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 somebody buy that portrait in the background back there you know what i mean that's for Will be a great thing to do. Hey, if you want uh, Don Tree Peace, yeah. <laughs> All right, Don. Until the next time, we want you to have a good one, okay? Yeah. Thank Take you. Care. All right, you've been on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, May 31st. Hey, come to Tulsa. Join up with us. Until the next time, peace. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lester Troutman. And when we in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we always listen to
Yeah. 